Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Food bloggers, don't forget to check out the food blogging forum style community that we started over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. Finally, there's one place that we can all convene and talk and that isn't scattered all over Facebook. Here are the things that I am loving about it. It is free. It also allows for categorized discussions on all food blogging topics And there's a category for sharing successes, aka self-promotion. So no more holding back about discussing your big wins and things that you're promoting. Also, everything is in one single spot. So no hopping around from group to group. And there's an amazing opportunity to network and really get to know your fellow food bloggers in a single place. So come join the discussions that are going on over at forum.eatblogtalk.com. And I hope you enjoy this as much as I do. Don't forget forum.eatblogtalk.com. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers. So your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, the podcast made for you, food bloggers seeking value for your businesses and your lives. Today, I will be talking to Liz Falsigno from thecleaneatingcouple.com, and we will talk about updating old content. Liz is the food photographer and blogger behind the site thecleaneatingcouple.com. She creates simple, easy-to-follow, healthy recipes, most of which are paleo or Whole30. Liz has grown her site from a hobby blog to a six-figure business, and in addition to running the blog, she coaches other bloggers on how to grow their blogs into a business as well. Liz, I'm really excited to chat with you today, but before we start, give us a fun fact about yourself. Hi, Megan. I'm excited to be here too and to chat. I guess a fun fact about me is that I'm a huge John Mayer fan. I've seen him over 35 times in concert. (laughs) Anytime he comes around, I basically follow him all over the Northeast. Oh, that's fun. So when did you start this love for John Mayer? Pretty much since I was a kid, my mom used to always play his music at home. And then we started going to concerts together. And now we still go together and I recruit pretty much anyone else that will go with me to go to his concert. Oh, I love that it kind of started with your mom and that that was a thing for you to enjoy together. So that makes it even more special. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> That's really cool. And music. I mean, music is like inspiring. And I think it inspires creativity. If you can find that one band or that one 
person who really speaks to you through their music, I think that's really important. I have my band of choice too. When I am just like, oh, feeling down or feeling like I need inspiration, it always helps me. Couldn't agree more. Oh, love it. Well, let's dig into this, Liz. And I'm actually really excited about this chat because I am currently in the throes of updating my old content and I have a lot of content to comb through. And I've been doing this for about like really hardcore for about six months. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts on the topic. So I would love it if you just started out by telling us why you think updating old content is important. Yeah. So updating old content is important for so many reasons, but if you boil it down to really one thing, you're going to save time and you're going to ultimately, if you have affiliate links and ads and things like that on your site, you're going to make more money. And I mean, I think that's what we're all after, saving time and making more money, right? But when you kind of look at all the smaller pieces of it, I think that when you're updating old content, first, you're saving kind of like your mental time and energy because you're not... I wouldn't call it wasting time, but you're not wasting time on going to the store and getting the ingredients and testing the recipe multiple times to make sure that's perfect and writing things and tweaking things. You already have that great recipe and you know it's delicious and you know nothing has to even be tested on it. It's perfect. But the photos are terrible and the content around it is terrible and it's not SEO optimized. So you can make those tweaks and it's going to take you less time than it would to, you know, start from scratch. Yeah, I totally agree because I think we all have, especially if you have a blog that's older than like three years or so, there's always content that you look at, even if it's just a handful of years old that you're like, oh man, that photo, those photos are terrible or the writing could be updated. There's always something to be updated. And I do think that it saves us time and obviously making more money is something that we all want to do. So I think all of our ears are perked. Okay, yes, we want to save time and we want to make more money. So first of all, I want to ask you, how old is too old? Like, you know, can I update something a year old or should I go back even further or where do I start with that? Yeah, so I think that a year is probably a good place to kind of start. You don't want to look at something that you did a month ago. I mean, that's going to kind of be relatively up to date and probably some of your better work. So I think a year, you'd be surprised. I mean, even I'm working on when we're recording this right now, we're kind of in the middle of this coronavirus quarantine crisis sort of thing. So I have, I'm obviously spending more time at home and shopping less. So I'm rather than trying to develop new recipes, I'm kind of focusing on more back end computer stuff. So I'm looking at recipes that I put out last year. And last year when I put them out, I was really proud of them and thought they were really great. And I'm still seeing things that I could add to them or ways that they could be just a better piece of content. So I think that a year is probably a good place to start. But I mean, the older, the better. If you have, sometimes I think that, you know, if you've been blogging for a really long time, you might have recipes that you posted five years ago and it is not a good recipe. And there's not much that you can update to make it good. (laughs) You kind of know in your heart of hearts, you published it with like blinders on and we're just like, I have to get something out and you just threw it out there. Yep. (laughs) Those recipes probably are not the ones that, you know, you want to update, but that chocolate cake that you know is so delicious, but only five people have ever seen it because the photos look terrible. That's the one that you might want to go after and see what can I do to really make this a great post to bring people in. There are so many on my blog that I just can't salvage. Like you said, like it really wasn't a great recipe. And I think this was a kind of a mindset a while ago where 
like having more content up meant more than just having quality content up. And now it's so different. All of the content needs to be quality because I feel like that old stuff that's really not great is almost bogging down the rest of our content. But before it was like, yes, I'm just going to publish like five times a week and get stuff up just to have it in my archives. I like your one year time frame because one year gives Google plenty of time and Pinterest plenty of time also to gain momentum with the post if it's good and quality. And if it hasn't, then you can kind of reevaluate. But what do you think about when to start updating? Because I know a few bloggers who've been blogging for about three years and they're just like, I'm not quite ready to go back and look at my old stuff. Do you think this is something for only like really established bloggers who have been in the game for like five or more years? Or do you think that bloggers who are maybe younger bloggers can do this too? Yeah, I absolutely think that this is pretty much applicable to anyone. I think that if you've had your blog for at least a year, think of all the things you've probably learned in a year. Maybe you have better photography. Maybe you learn more about SEO. Maybe now you're part of an affiliate program that you can link in that. Maybe you've just become a better writer. Like your recipes are better written. There's always, always, always room for improvement. So I think that as long as you've been blogging for about a year, you can for sure go back to like the very first post you ever published and find something to add to them. Maybe if it's just, you know, a couple paragraphs of helpful tips or linking the ingredients on Amazon in your recipe cart. Just even small tweaks can add up as a whole to make your content just better for your readers. So I think that anyone can do this, but especially if you are in a blogger that's been around for three to five years, I mean, chances are you're going to have probably hundreds of recipes to kind of play with. And once you get in the rhythm of this, I don't know. I mean, I personally, while I love being creative in the kitchen and trying new things, there is something so satisfying about taking an old recipe on my site and completely revamping it to the point where it's almost like a new post and then sharing it and seeing people come in and seeing people make the recipe and enjoy it and share it with their friends and family. Like to know like a couple of weeks ago, no one was looking at this and now it's doing really well on Pinterest or it's ranked number one in Google. Like that's super satisfying because you, you always knew it was a good recipe, but now it's just kind of like, you're like peeling back the curtain and really like letting it shine. And it really doesn't take much, does it? I mean, even giving a few paragraphs, a spruce up or like redoing just a couple photos can totally transform the way that your post looks and just like tweaking a little bit in the recipe, even the recipe card. But yeah, I mean, a little bit of effort can really go a long way. And I agree. I think it's so gratifying somehow to take something that's old that's just been sitting on your blogging shelves getting dusty and just giving it a little bit of love. And it can, I don't know, it's just like... I agree. And I know that a lot of people have excuses. They think, oh, you know, well, my audience is going to know that I shared that already. Or if I don't post three new recipes and Google's not going to rank me or I have too many ideas or this is boring. Like there's a million excuses out there. But at the end of the day... And this kind of goes back to what you had asked me earlier about why updating old content is so important. I think that we all should be striving to have our blogs be like the absolute best resource for our readers that they can be. And if half the content on your site you haven't looked at in a year, how can you be confident that someone is going to come to your site completely random, not know who you are, and land on something that is your best work? I mean, you wouldn't want to be putting like your C plus and D, D work in front of you know, someone new, you want to have that like 
A plus work that you, you know is really great and really helpful and just an awesome recipe to present with those people when they start clicking around on your site. Oh, that's so true. I have a handful, probably more than a handful, but <laughs> I have some recipes that I just like pray nobody ever clicks on. And that's not good. I mean, if I am praying that nobody sees those, I should probably get rid of those. So yeah, that's something to definitely think about. I liked what you just said. Our blog should be the absolute best resource possible. And if they're not, you need to probably reevaluate. I also wanted to comment quick. I like that you recommended this process, like updating older content for newer bloggers as well, because I think a lot of the time newer bloggers see a podcast episode or information on this topic and they're like, well, that's not relevant to me because I'm, I've am i only been blogging for a year or two. So I like that you said that. So this is actually really relevant for everybody who's been blogging for a year or more. So I just wanted to point that out. So do you know, is there data behind why we should update old content? Yeah. So I have this little graph and I can actually share it with you if you want to include it with the show notes. And it's just from my Google Analytics. And if I'm saying this, it might get jumbled in your head, but I'm going to read these stats for you and then just like kind of take a second to sit with it. And if you're listening, try to pop over to the show notes to look at the graph because it's pretty interesting to see. So this is just for my own personal blog. So in 2018, I put out 123 blog posts and 33% of them were updated content. And my traffic went up a little bit from the year before, but didn't double or anything like that. In 2019, I only published 98 blog posts and 50% of them were updated content that I republished and my traffic more than 3X'd. Whoa. Yeah. And in, just in January of 2020, I haven't pulled the stats for February and we're at the end of March now. But in January of 2020, I did 15 blog posts. 10 of them were updated posts, which is around 66%. And again, my traffic doubled from 2019 to 2020. January is also a really big month for me. I'm a health food blogger. So the data could be a little bit skewed because we obviously aren't looking at the whole picture of the year. But you can see that I think a lot of people are so fearful that if they start to do this, they're going to lose traffic because the posts aren't new. And you can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes around the words new. <laughs> but I treat these posts like they're new. I talk about them as if they were a new post. I promote them on Instagram. I promote them on my, I try to make them on stories. I send them to my email list. I post them on Facebook. I make new pins. So in my eyes, when I'm updating an old piece of content, I am treating it like it is brand new and no one has ever seen it before because the reality of it is, is that our audiences do not know all the content on our site. I mean, I don't even know all the recipes on my site. No one knows all the recipes on our site. So I think we have to kind of get out of our heads a little bit and be like, think that they're going to know that this is old and we updated it. And even if they were to notice, they're not going to care. They're probably going to go back to that recipe and be like, oh, look, the photos are even prettier now. Or, you know, oh, she put some information on how to store this or how to freeze it that I didn't know or a substitution that I maybe thought of. So your audiences is not going to care. Yeah, I agree. And even if they do, like you said, even if they remember those chicken lettuce wraps from 10 years ago, they're going to probably thank you for delivering better quality photos and information about it. So who cares, even if they do remember? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that data is really impressive. So 50% in 2019, that's a lot of old content that you revitalized. That's inspiring. That makes me want to do even more. I don't know my numbers. I should go back and 
track exactly what I have updated and what I haven't or what I did new. Yeah, I was kind of boring to go back and like count all of them, but it was just really interesting for me to see because back in like 2018, I was really focused on the like new, 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 always churning out new content and then peppering in some of the updates. But once I realized like I can update what's already on my site, make it even better and push people to that rather than trying to develop new recipes, it was just kind of like a switch was flipped and there was really no going back for me. Absolutely. Wow. That's really inspiring. So let's talk about how to go through this because it can be kind of a daunting thing, especially if you've got more than a couple hundred recipes, which I have almost a thousand. Well, I've actually pared down quite a bit, but say like six months ago, I had almost a thousand recipes. Now I'm down to almost 850, I think, but I'm just trying to like delete the ones like we were referring to earlier that are absolute garbage and that nobody's ever going to make. Getting rid of those, making sure that, you know, they don't have backlinks, they're not generating any traffic from Pinterest or Google. And then if all of those boxes are checked, then I just get rid of it. But how do you go through this? Talk us through your steps. Yeah, for sure. And I will also give you a link. I have a free checklist that outlines all of this. So if you're listening and this is, yeah, and this is interesting to you, I have a checklist on exactly how to do it and all the steps to do. And I have a spreadsheet tracker. I love Google spreadsheets. So (laughs) you could pop the info in there and it's super easy to keep track of everything. But I think that what you mentioned is probably a really good first step to take if you are a blogger that's been blogging for years and you have a ton of content on your site. Before you do anything, kind of like Megan was mentioning before, you probably have a lot of stuff on there that's almost bogging your site down. So if you have that content on there that no one is looking at and you know it's not a good recipe, just get it off your site. So you can either no index it or if you have you know four different chocolate cake recipes and three out of the four get zero traffic, you can redirect them to like your great chocolate cake recipe and just delete them. I've done a mix of those things. I know that some people are kind of worried about like 404s and errors on your site, but no indexing can be a better route for that. But if you have a very similar recipe on the off chance that someone's going to land on that old post and you just want to bring them to the you know newer, better post, that's another route that you can take too. So I think that if you have a ton of content, that's a good place to start. There's a couple different ways that you can kind of approach how to update your old content. So in the PDF that I will share with your listeners, what I suggest doing is looking in your Google Analytics, looking at your most popular pages and starting with the top 50 and then kind of exporting that and looking at it at each post individually. I think that you have to be very careful because if you have a popular post and it's ranking super high for a really big keyword, you don't want to go crazy with updating it. Because once you start updating things, Google is going to look at it differently. It's going to be a different piece of content in Google's eyes and you don't want to lose that ranking. So I always caution people with the popularity route because if you have you know 10 posts that rank for super high keywords and those are your most popular posts and you start tweaking things, you might mess things up. So I always caution people with that. But with that being said, you might have a popular post and it might be popular because it's on Pinterest, but it might not rank at all on Google because it's terribly SEO optimized. So with that, you can kind of look at that number one post and think, okay, what can I add here? Can I add helpful tips? Could I add affiliate links? Can I give information on how to, how to store the posts? Can I show substitutions? Things like that. And going one by one and updating from like your most popular content down. So that's one route that you could take. 
The other route that you can take is you can look in Google Search Console and I can give you, um, to, if you want to put this in the show notes, there's a way that you can pull your data from Google Search Console to see basically where you are at the top of page two. And then you can work on updating those posts in hopes of bumping you over to page one and hopefully climbing to the top of page one. So there's two kind of approaches that you can take to it. Your Pinterest Google approach, I really like that because I have a ton of content that's really popular on Pinterest and it always has been, but it's not anywhere on Google. I mean, it is, but it's like really buried deep. So I like that just finding those popular Pinterest posts and then tweaking those so that Google can now see them. And then I like that you mentioned not to touch the like really popular stuff because it's just kind of scary. I think it's like positions one through five on Google or something like that. Like just kind of be careful about how much you change in those posts because for whatever reason, Google is really liking them. Then just, yeah, maybe (laughs) steer clear. But the console, I've done the console one as well, just figuring out what is on page two. And there is a really, did you say that you had a screenshot or something to walk people through that? Like how to find page two? Yeah, I have like just typed out instructions, like click here, do this. Um, So I'll send those to you that so you can include them in the show notes as well. Yeah. And it's really easy to do. And then you can just give your post a little boost and hope that it makes its way on over to the first page, right? Yeah. And what I was going to say before, um, in listening to that, your eyes totally glazed over and you're like, ah, oh, Google Analytics, Google search console. Yeah, yes. I don't want to hear it. I promise all you have to do is get the information and then you can get paste it into a spreadsheet and you don't have to look at those again. You just need to use those <laughs> tools as a starting point. Um, you know that they seem scary and overwhelming, but it's really, really not that hard to export into a spreadsheet from those. So don't be overwhelmed. And once you have the info, you can kind of take it and run with it. And you don't have to be like constantly in Google Analytics or playing around in Google Search Console. You just need that initial info to kind of get you started. It is scary, right? It's a scary place to go, (laughs) especially for us like creative brained people who are just not, I don't know, it's like such a technical place to be. So I avoided analytics for years because of that. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so all those numbers and the drop downs. And I don't like, I just didn't understand it. But then I just got to the point where I was like, okay, I need to at least get in there, like you said, Liz, and just get the numbers and run. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is important, though, that you just kind of get past that little fear. But like Liz said, yes, we get it. It is a scary place to go. But once you get the numbers, what do you do with them? So you take them into your spreadsheet. And then how do you sort through that? So these are kind of the questions that I ask. Uh, my overarching question is, what can I add to this to make it a better piece of content? So is the recipe okay? Do I need to retest this recipe to make sure that it even works? Because I made it only one time and threw it up on the blog and hope for the best. So do I need to retest the recipe? Does it need new photos? Maybe it needs process shots because there's a confusing step in there that would be helpful for people to see or just to show how simple the ingredients are. Or just maybe overall the photos just need to be updated because you took them on your iPhone under a kitchen light at 10 o'clock at night. And we've all been there. Um, Can you create new pinnable images and multiple ones of them? Because we know that Pinterest is looking for fresh content. And this is probably going to strike a bit of a chord with some food bloggers. But can you shorten your stories and like talking about your life and instead add more helpful information? I know that as food bloggers, a lot of our recipes are inspired 
by family stories. I mean, pretty much everything that I cook is inspired by something that either I grew up eating or has some tie to my family. But people don't want to read paragraphs upon paragraphs of what you did over the weekend and how this was so-and-so's recipe and all of that. I mean, just think of it from a personal user standpoint. So can you shorten those stories, still add those personal elements in, but instead of bulking that end up, bulk up the information. So, you know, cooking tips, time-saving tips, how to store it, how to freeze it, pretty much any question that you think that someone could ask. And the more that I do this, the more I'm realizing people really want basic info that we as cooks, like it comes second nature to me to like know how to check if olive oil is hot in a pan. But someone that's never sauteed chicken has no idea if their olive oil is hot or not. So explaining things like that. Um, Adding value, just little, yeah. I always think of it like, how can how can this post add value to someone? Like you said, um, just little cooking tips that we take for granted because we're in the kitchen all the time. But if someone lands on your recipe post for the first time and they have no idea how to do this, just kind of like, thinking on their wavelength and yeah, relating to them. Yeah. And then the last thing that I kind of make sure to do is are there links in this post to other blog posts and do other posts link to this post? So, you know, if I'm doing a healthy banana muffin recipe, let's make sure that I include a link to my healthy carrot muffins. And in the carrot muffin recipe, I link back to the banana ones because chances are if they're baking one muffin recipe, they might like the other one. So things like that. And again, that just goes back to being a great resource and being helpful to your audience. Do you think you could do this in stages or do you like to do it in one fell swoop? Like I can see, I have a few things here that I wrote down from your list. Creating new Pinterest pins would be a really easy thing to tackle. And so would interlinking. So could you do that, like those two things and then come back and redo photos? Or do you suggest doing everything at once? Yeah. So it's honestly a personal preference. Sometimes I will Like I went in at the beginning of this year and really focused on internal linking and went through every single post and made sure I could pepper in links wherever I had the ability to and that I had no orphaned content, which if you have the premium version of Yoast, it allows you to see which posts don't have links to them. So for sure, I can do it in stages. Or when I have an old recipe though, that, you know, I don't, like I wouldn't want to create new Pinterest images to it because I don't even know if it's really a good recipe. So if, if it's one of those recipes that's really old and no one has looked at, I would probably just scrap it and just completely do the whole thing over before I would pepper in those little updates. But it's up to you. If you happen to be making a recipe and you notice, oh, like I didn't put whatever in the recipe or, oh, I could add this tip about how I save time when I make this. For sure, just pop in there, hit edit, type a couple sentences in, update it. And then when you have more time, go back and do like your full update. So how do you log all of this in a spreadsheet? Do you do like color coding? Do you, How do you organize it? Yeah, so my spreadsheet is, it's quite a spreadsheet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I Basically, the way that I have it set up is that I have different columns for all different things. And I just put X's next to it when it's done. So like I have a column for like creating all pins. I have a column for did I add it to tribes on Tailwind? I have a column for did I send an email about it? Um, You know, is there a video for it? So I just put an X and that shows me like, okay, it's updated. I did this step. And that's kind of how I keep track of it. So I'm excited to see your spreadsheet because I have one too and I'm I it's very very nerdy but I'm in there all the time just keeping track of all that because we do have all of that older content you lose track of it. So I also have like color coding for 
like where I'm at in the process. Like if I've deleted something, I keep it in the spreadsheet, but I color it like a dark gray. If something needs to be refreshed with like copy and photos, I color it a different color so I can just visually scroll through and see how many I've deleted and what is good. Green is like everything's good. Um, so yeah, I, a color is really big for me, but I also do columns. So like, does this have a video? So it sounds like it's very similar. I just can't imagine getting by without it because it would just be like this big pile of clutter in my mind. And I just, I need something to look at. It's almost like I refer to it daily just to, just to get a grasp on where I'm at. Like, okay, this is, this is doable. I can do this. I totally agree with you. And I would say to anyone that's listening to this and who wants to update their old content, you have to have some way of of tracking this. It might not be my spreadsheet. It might not be Megan's spreadsheet, but you have to find a way to keep track of what you're doing because you will 100% lose where you are and then you'll be frustrated and then you'll, you're going to be inefficient if you're not just taking the time to just, I mean, with mine, it's literally just, I type an X when I've done something. So it's very simple, but if you don't have it, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to think like, what the heck did I do? and What didn't I do? So true. So I'm just sitting here trying to think if somebody doesn't like spreadsheets, because I know there are people who don't like spreadsheets. What are some other ways to keep track? Do you have any other ideas? I personally don't use them, but I know a lot of people like Airtable or maybe Trello. I just, I think that the spreadsheet is the easiest way to do it because you can also, like I have my columns filtered so I can sort by the date published or I can sort by popularity or sort by, you know, Whole30 is really big on my site. So I can sort by just Whole30 recipes. You know, when January comes in probably November, December, I'll sort by my Whole30 recipes and just go in and look at all of them and make sure everything is in tip top shape in preparation for kind of my January where I get a lot of Whole30 years coming to my site. So things like that. I mean, spreadsheets are built to be intuitive and kind of allow you to work like that. So I'm a strong spreadsheet advocate. And I think I think Google Sheets are easier to use than Excel, personally. Yeah, they are somehow. I agree. Yeah. yeah. And they're nice because you can, you know, if you have team members or if you have a VA or something like that, you can share it with them. And it can be kind of a collaborative effort. Yeah, totally agree. So going back a little bit, talking about those little boosts you can do if you have you know, a set of posts that you just want to go in and maybe not redo the entire thing, but give little boosts to like creating new Pinterest pins or interlinking. Can you think of any other little things people can add to that list? I thought of adding alt tags to images. What else could people do just to give just a tiny little boost of SEO juice? So I think it's going to be different for each post, but I think that what you can do as a way to see what you can how you can add to it is Google your recipe. So I'm just thinking one of mine is lemon chicken soup. So when I Google lemon chicken soup, if you have keywords everywhere, which I personally love and recommend, you can see on the side, you know, what other people are searching with related to it. But even if you don't have that, you can scroll to the bottom of Google and just see what it comes up. It says searches related to lemon chicken soup. So in here, someone wrote uh, with rice or creamy lemon chicken soup or keto lemon chicken soup. So I probably wouldn't have thought of how to like to call out that this is keto, but my recipe technically is. So maybe adding in a paragraph on like why this is keto or how you can make it lower carb or whatever it is for that recipe that you have. So answering those questions that people are Googling can be helpful. 
But otherwise, I think that for all of your recipes, a good kind of place to start would be adding in helpful tips for, you know, kind of like you said, those little cooking tips that we take for granted as cooks, but that someone who doesn't know how to cook might really need help with. So those are good. Substitutions, you would be shocked how many questions I get about substitutions. So, and simple ones, again, that as a cook, it's second nature to me. If I don't have olive oil, I'll, I could use vegetable oil or coconut oil or avocado oil, but people don't know that. So including that really, really basic information that seems silly to you, but it could be really helpful to, to someone reading it. And when you're doing that and you're adding in that information, um, I know that ad revenue isn't everything, but you're inherently going to make your post longer, which is going to be better for your ad revenue. I like that you mentioned that. I wouldn't have thought to recommend that, but just adding a few little paragraphs and that doesn't take a lot of time. And also <laughs> just how revealing it is to type a keyword in, or a key phrase into Google and like, oh, I didn't even know this was keto. Okay, well, I can touch on this being keto. Like I am not in the loop with all of the diets. Like I know, I know Whole30 pretty well because I've done it, but I wouldn't know if my recipes were keto, but it would be good to know that because maybe someone else wants to know that. So that's a really, really great suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. And it's free. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any other little tips like that that you think people would find helpful? I think that if you have someone in your life that is not necessarily a cook, like I have one of my very best friends is just getting into cooking now that she's spending more time at home. And having her read and cook through my recipes has been really eye-opening for me because, again, like these are recipes that I just posted like a couple weeks ago, and I thought they were really well written. But for someone who doesn't necessarily cook, some of the steps were a little confusing to her. So if you have someone in your life that wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to read through your recipes, they could probably offer some really great advice for you on how to make your recipes easier to navigate that you might necessarily not have thought of otherwise. Isn't that funny? Like you just think, yes, this is solid. I've written everything really well. And then it just takes one person to go in and say, yeah, this doesn't make sense. Or like this little part doesn't make sense. And then it becomes so obvious to us. But like, yeah, we are just so in it that we forget to go back to those basics. Like you mentioned the olive oil. It's so obvious to us that you could replace it with anything. But yeah. Yeah, it might not be obvious to everybody. So I think thinking kind of through like if you have an avatar, if you've created someone like your ideal user, thinking what they would need from you. And I don't always do that. But when I do, I find that my posts are way more filled with value. So just making that a part of your process. Yeah, can be so helpful for your audience. Yeah. So as far as like tracking and organizing, do you have any other tips that you think food bloggers need to know or have we covered everything, Liz? I think we've covered most of it, but I would just say, you know, this can be a very overwhelming thing, especially if you're someone that's had a blog for a long time and you have a lot of content to work through. So I would just say pick kind of a schedule that works for you. Do not think that tomorrow you're going to wake up and just update everything and, and that's going to be it. Like this This process is, it's truly never ending because once you've updated everything, you're going to go back to what you updated a year ago and it's going to need to be updated again. Our worlds are always changing. We learn things and we are going to need to share that info. So know that this is a, a living, breathing process and try not to get overwhelmed with it and pick a schedule for you that's going to work. So maybe right now, if you're doing two recipes 
a week, two new recipes. Maybe instead of doing two new recipes, you do one new recipe and you fully gut and completely update an old post. And that's what you do. Um, I would urge you, I mean, maybe try to not create new recipes and, and go all in. I know that's very scary for people, but I think that you'd be really surprised once you kind of get in the rhythm of this, how awesome it can really be. So pick a schedule that's going to work for you. Because we all created those older recipes. Well, most of them, I think we created because they were good. Like we really loved them and we believed in them. And they're just sitting in our archives looking like crap. So dust them off and give them a redo. Okay, this idea is really scary to me, but I love it at the same time. Just like taking three months and doing nothing but refurbishing old posts. And I don't know why that's so scary. I think that if we're not putting out, quote, new content, that it's just like we almost feel like we're not relevant or something, but that's silly. <laughs> so I I love that idea. And maybe I'll be brave enough to actually try that one of these months, but it just seems like so daunting for some reason. I think that something that I've heard you know, from a lot of successful entrepreneurs is to never look at something as like a success or a failure, but just as an experiment. So maybe you do this. And it's hard to look at this as an experiment because when you're updating content, it usually takes two to three months before your updates will kind of go in rise in Google and whatnot. So it's not like you're going to update it and then the next day it's going to be at number one. That's not how it works. So it is kind of a longer term process. But just looking at it and and saying, okay, like I did this for a month. How did I feel? What was my stress like? What did I was I able to manage this better? Was it easier than creating two new recipes a week? You know, how did I personally feel? And then looking at your traffic and think, how did my traffic like did my traffic absolutely tank? I don't think that it will. But you know, just just looking at it from an experimental eye, because the worst case scenario is that you just go back to what you were doing before and you chalk it up as a loss and you move on. I mean, I think that the great thing about blogging is that you can always be changing and trying new things and seeing how it works for you. See everything as an experiment. I love that. And so true, right? Like you can't look at things and say, yep, that was successful or because how do you even define that? So I like just doing it, experimenting with it, sitting with it over a period of three to four to six months and seeing what happens and then go from there. Like you said, Liz, you can always go back to what you were doing before, but most likely you're not going to need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was really great chat. I think this conversation will be really valuable for not just older bloggers, but newer bloggers too, because you touched on this a little bit. Like this is an ongoing process. It is never going to end. And I think we can get caught up in that and be like, oh, I just did this like last year. How frustrating. But just knowing that it's part of blogging, that you are going to have to do this ongoing, that, you know, it's just like in your mind, that makes it so much easier to tackle, I think. So it is never going to end. You are always going to have to go back and redo things. I mean, we just went through this with Pinterest recently, right? Where they were like, we want fresh, new everything. And we're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have so many pins to make. But it's like, there's always going to be things changing and their platforms are always going to be requesting new and different things. So it's just part of the game. I mean, I think get used to it and keep adapting. So yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, this was so great. So is there anything that you think we've missed discussing that we should touch on quick before we say goodbye? I do think that one thing that's important is once you've updated your content, what to do with it. 
because clicking that update button isn't enough. Like I said earlier, you really have to treat it like it's a new post. So pin it on Pinterest, share it on Facebook, Instagram, email it to your list, um, maybe make it on Instagram stories and submit it to Google search console. So I know that, again, it might seem scary, but it, it takes two seconds. You just paste your link in at the top of Google Search Console, and then you click Request Indexing. And what that basically does is nudge Google to be like, hey, Google, I updated this. Check it out when you get a chance. And then hopefully they're going to rise you up to the top because they're going to realize, wow, this chocolate cake recipe is way better than it used to be. And we think it deserves to be at the top of the ranks for everyone to see. One last question I just thought of. Okay, so if you're taking a super old post, what do you do as far as like letting people know that it's been updated? So do you do like original post on October 2010, um, updated on and then give the current date? Or how do you treat that? Yeah, I just write a little sentence in the post right near my affiliate disclosure that says this post was originally shared in 2019, but has since been updated with helpful information. And just leave it at that. And Google sees that, right? They recognize I hope that. They do. I think yeah. they do. I've heard that they do too. I haven't like actually verified that, but I do the same just in case. Like, well, maybe they saw that it was garbage back then and like, oh, it's been redone. It looks amazing right. <laughs> on this fresh new date. Yes. <laughs> oh, such great stuff, Liz. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of this awesome stuff with food vloggers. We really appreciate your insights. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me here. This is great to chat about. Yes. So before you go, share with us a favorite quote or any words of inspiration you have for food bloggers. I don't necessarily have a favorite quote, but I think that's something that I kind of live by in my blogging journey and career is just to be consistent and to not give up because there are lots of ups and downs when it comes to blogging and lots of things that can seem frustrating or daunting or huge tasks. But in the grand scheme, just be consistent, stay positive and keep working and great things will come. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Liz has a list of resources like we've chatted about throughout the episode relating to today's topic. You can find those on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash clean eating couple. Liz, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Yeah, you can find me on my site at thecleaneatingcouple.com or if you have any questions about anything we talked about, feel free to send me an email, liz at thecleaneatingcouple.com. I'm always happy to chat about this stuff and help anyone that has questions. Awesome. And I saw your dog on Insta Stories just now. Cutest <laughs> puppy ever. Oh my gosh. I just had to mention that. Yeah. So you guys should go check that out. Speedy and Basil. <laughs> oh, so cute. I love it. Well, thank you again, Liz, for being here. And thanks for listening today, food bloggers. I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.